to the entire crew out there listening. Welcome back to KC's Conversations. I'm your host, Caitlin Cunningham, and today we have an amazing opportunity to learn from Coach Corliss Fingers. She is the Director of Strength and Conditioning at Bethune-Cookman University. As Coach Fingers shares her story with us, she highlights the importance of your support system, or board of directors as she calls it, proving yourself through your work, and she shares a great reminder that everyone learns differently. I promise you don't want to miss the example she has had in her life to show her women can do anything. But before we get ready to head over to our conversation, a couple of reminders. If you missed the scholarship announcement, check out my social media or head over to kacunningham.com to enter a chance to win. And let's hear a quick word from our amazing sponsor. Team Builder is the strength and conditioning software for strength coaches and personal trainers. They provide you with the tools that you need to successfully write, run, and track programs for hundreds of athletes and clients. With subscriptions for every budget, all Team Builder users have access to custom programming, leaderboards that show live athlete data, and over 16 report options. Team Builder's commitment to supporting the strength and conditioning community led them to hire on a sports scientist. This means that Platinum Pro users have access to consultations with their sports scientists to help implement strategies for data collection and database management. With Team Builder, you can confidently present your data, report to sport coaches, and communicate with your staff and athletes. Interested in learning more about Team Builder? Check them out at teambuilder.com. That is T-E-A-M-B-U-I-L-D-R.com. You can learn more about how they can make a difference in your program or schedule a demo to see for yourself. Coach Fingers, welcome to Casey's Conversations. Please say hello to the crew and share what you're grateful for today. Hello, hello. I'm grateful to be here today. (laughs) Like every day, I really am. Um, And I'm so grateful for just family. You know, they have a tendency to ground you and encourage you and support you. And I got a chance to see some this weekend. And I'm just so grateful for that. So, That's awesome. Well, there's enough time right now in in your schedule to be able to do that stuff on the weekends, right? I would imagine. Yeah. Our university is actually, they went to it a couple of years ago. It's amazing. They're closed on Fridays. So yeah, you grind so hard during the fall and the spring. You you get to the summer, you're still grinding. It's hot, but you're like, Fridays (laughs) hurt to myself. So my son had a Taekwondo tournament districts in Emerson, Georgia. And my dad and one of my sisters drove from Missouri there, and my sister flew in from D.C. My other sister and another sister lives in Atlanta came up, so wow. we got a chance to really hang out and cheer on the young dragon and there make a lot of noise and eat a lot of food and just have a good time. So I'm grateful for those Fridays <laughs> to be able to do that. <clears throat> oh no, did I freeze? Yes, okay. absolutely. All right. So can you let the listeners know where you're at, what your responsibilities are, and anything else that you think that they would need to know about your current position? I am the director of strength and conditioning at Bethune-Cookman University, located in Daytona Beach, Florida. 
I am responsible for everybody. Uh, my <laughs> number one most important role, what I would say, was football. So I'm overseer of football, but you know, I went from a staff of five when I first got here to a staff of two, me and one other person. So I pretty much work with everybody. You know, we, wow. we pitch in and help out with everybody. But yeah, I'm the director over all 300 plus athletes. Wow. Was the loss in staff due to all the wonderful cuts with COVID or was there another reason for all this? No, uh, partly some uh, COVID actually opened up doors for some as well. I had an assistant yeah. that became the director at a high school in Arizona, young, one to travel, see different places. He is now in the Dominican Republic working with uh, baseball, the Giants um, wow. farm team or whatever. He did a great job. And then I had a GA graduated and they did not let us renew our GAs. So that is another reason for a mm. uh, lost staff member. Um, and we had got down to four versus five when I was able to take one of the part-time positions and kind of absorb one of the GA positions and create a full-time. So, wow. yeah, but COVID kind of, we didn't play sports for a whole year. So when you don't play anything, wow. you don't have any revenue coming in. So we had some cuts and some furloughs and all that wonderful, fun stuff. Oh, yeah. The joys. The joys. Still recovering. Well, that is awesome to know where you're at now, but I think it will be fun to dive in and uncover how you've gotten to where you are today. So if you had to go back and discover where your experiences began with sport, like where would you say it all started? Uh, probably ran track at a young age. Probably started with my dad because he played sports and um, mm-hmm. football and basketball and baseball and all that fun stuff. And I'm the oldest. So most dads, you know, want that son, that first child to be a son. So <laughs> sorry, I'm not. But I can throw a spiral like one because of that. And that's why, you know, learned to ride a motorcycle really is from my dad. You know, he was a police officer and I think we had two vehicles. It was a police car and a motorcycle growing up. So you either one or the other. Let's choose the motorcycle. So my dad had a big influence in, you know, me being exposed to sports early on, but then running track at a young age and never looked back as every sport that they allowed me to do or be around kind of got involved. I think the the strength and conditioning part came about a little later in high school when I was um, running and I had a coach not used to, you know, a little short, old school white man. And I'm this thick black sprinter. And he's like, you know, in order to cut those times down, you're going to need to lose some weight. Like that ain't going nowhere. It's there. Like that's who I am. That's how I'm built. But thinking of losing weight and how to lose weight, I did it the wrong way and didn't make sense. Not until I got into college and run a track in Carolina that I started taking some of those physiology and anatomy and, you know, all those fun biomechanic classes. And you start getting interested in how the body really works and how you really gain weight, how you really lose weight. And I just became fascinated with it. I was also doing my student teaching 
because I was a physical education major. I knew I wanted to be in something dealing with sports or active. So at that time, I thought PE teacher, maybe, until I started doing my student teaching. And I realized I ain't like kids. I ain't like them. <laughs> they were bad. I, I, went, I remember going to my advisor my junior year. And I'm like, you got to find something else for me. Cause I'm gonna kill somebody's kid. I can't do this every day. Like, and I just, so I just got beat up by like a bunch of kindergartens. We can't do this. We gotta find something else. And he was like, "You, you like, you about to graduate? What do you mean we can't find it?" And it's just so how it somehow transferred over to uh, wellness and fitness a concentration. I didn't lose too much, you know, mm-hmm. in order to keep up with being on time to graduate or graduate early and not lose too much. So that right. it all kind of clicked together with me being interested in the more I learned about how it really worked, coupled with these kids are bad, found a new major. But then it turns out I still work with kindergartners. Kids. They're just hairier and bigger, but they definitely act like it. So full circle, it's like, guess what? It's like you back in this classroom. <laughs> Your attention span is about as long. So. Oh my gosh, that is too funny. Okay, so, so if you could go back, and now obviously going through this journey of you lost weight the wrong way, you learned about it kind of the right ways, and maybe ways you probably should have taken it. Are those things that you now apply in your day-to-day work with the student-athletes that you get to be in the weight room with? Like, do you get to actually have those conversations or do you guys have a nutritionist? Okay. No, we don't have a nutritionist or anything like that. Dietitians No, that is me. But I think me just being me and who I am is able to open up that conversation because, you know, I'm at a historically black college, you know, HBCU. So a lot of our athletes are, you know, especially our females are black women. And it's like, being who I am and how I look, it's okay to have the thick hamstrings, the thick glutes, you know, the nice wide back and shoulders. And it's okay because there's somebody else in the weight room that looks just like that, mm-hmm. lifting just as heavy or doing some of the same exercises. And it's okay. You know, yeah. my strength coach was a male and I don't know, just the perception of I'm going to look like that was kind of scary and intimidating because I was one of those people who hid in the weight room, you know, especially my freshman year. I, I was intimidated by it. I didn't like it. I didn't understand it. I was just there because they told me I had to be there. But once I started taking some of my core classes and start understanding a little bit more about it, start applying myself, you start seeing a difference. So yeah. I think they're they're getting that, that information, yes, by the conversations I'm having with them, but just by the straight image of me itself. Yeah. Well, and I think for all the listeners, be the example, right? Whether you're male, male or female, it's mm-hmm. be the example for these kids and set that to the highest standard so that they can be just as good or if mm-hmm. not surpass you. I mean, at that point, right. like if a student athlete passes me, like good for you, man. Absolutely. Like I am freaking proud of you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, okay. So no go on the teaching, but you are working with... <laughs> kids still to this day Harry's so, Harry yep, like yep. um, did you learn anything throughout that process that maybe you apply today like okay I really didn't like this and this is how I'm going to address it with now the kids that I work with every single day maybe it's a I will not tolerate this you know 
whatever that may look like, like what did you learn and kind of bring with you along your journey? I think some of the things I've learned is patience, you know, mm-hmm. not only just patience, but teaching style. Everybody doesn't learn the same way. And a lot of times they teach you to teach a certain way, you know, or mm-hmm. even in the weight room, how to power clean, how to um, do a snatch or some of the cues to use. You know, I've learned along the way is, again, having that patience, but you can get to the same result by just taking a different path. Some may need to slow it down. Some may need to speed it up. You know, it's not uncommon for me to say, sit back on the toilet when I'm talking about sitting on squats. You know, others might use the technical words and now I'm like, hey, sit like you're sitting on the toilet and everybody understand what that is because they got to sit their butt out and sit back. So I think, you know, that journey is, is taught a lot of who I am and how I can teach others, you know, you got to slow it down or I didn't have the same patience back then, you know, I was more like, you know, the now, 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 let's go, let's go. You know, I'm not getting what I want. So moving on now, I'm a little different. How much has your son played a role in that? You mentioned him earlier. And so now obviously being a mom, how much has parenting changed your patience level as well? Anything? Um, well, it has some, but what I think, being a mom has done is a little bit more understanding. You know, mm-hmm. I think I've women, I think women make better strength coaches anyway, because we have that intuition. Like we know how to get down. We're great investigators. We can get down to the nitty gritty. Like what's mm-hmm. really going on? Like, okay, be for real. Why? I'm scared. I'm scared of doing this or I'm afraid I'm going to fall. And we're not going to make fun of you. If you say, I'm scared to do the snatch. Cause I'm afraid I'm going to fall. Like, just let go of the bar. You know, it's okay. Just make some noise. Let go of the bar. Like, but that's acceptable. Like, I yeah. think having a son has helped me to be more understanding and the passion that I already had is even more because I see how he learns and, you know, mm-hmm. his uniqueness. But the patience, because I'm even the same way with him. Come on, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. I, being a mom has helped out a lot with just getting to know a little bit more because he might he might say I'm okay but it's the way he say okay that you know he's not okay mm-hmm. same thing with some of the athletes you know you spend so much time with them they become your kids they they like family so if you have that one person say you know what up coach what up and then three days later what up coach ah that's a different what up you mm-hmm. alright no I'm good for real I'm good Okay, no, I'm not. What happened was, you know, so mom, that mom instinct has really allowed me to pull a little bit more out of my athletes. Yeah. It's a huge well, part of that. I think that's that's huge, especially with everyone learns differently, right? You're watching it with your own yeah. son. You see it with your student athletes. And then, I mean. And I think yeah. also you want, I wouldn't say anything to them that I wouldn't want somebody to say to my child. You know, mm. that that's huge. And I'm hard. I'm hard on him and I'm hard on them. But I bring him to work with me so they can see me being hard on him and he see me being hard on them. So yeah. there is a respect. Now I'm I'm still intense, but I always keep that in my mind. Don't yeah. don't say anything to them that you wouldn't want somebody to say to your child. Right. If he's slacking, <laughs> tell him he's slacking, get in his behind. Yep. It looked like garbage. Tell me, look like garbage, you know. But also pick him up. <laughs> so that's yeah. how I am. Yeah. yeah. Well, what you tolerate, 
at home is all the same as what you tolerate at work, right? Absolutely. So there's no there's no difference. It's all the same Not across the board. She's so. a straight A student. We just got back from districts, which she qualified in four events from seven different states. Again, what I preach at home, I'm preaching in my weight room. Yeah. It's fantastic. All the listeners, you guys need to take that with you if you're going to be a parent. Set the example at home and bring that bad boy with you into work and let those kids see that it is no different what you do with your own kids and them as students. Yeah, attack it the same way. Yeah. Okay, so you talked about dad. Uh, Obviously had a, a big influence on you and, you know, your upbringing with sports and running track and the motorcycle, which we can talk about the motorcycle in a little bit here for all the listeners. Uh, Coach and I talked about it before we jumped on here and started recording, so you'll get that uh, story in a little bit. But who else uh, along your journey has had a a large impact or influence on you uh, as a woman and as a coach? And then what kinds of things like have they taught you? And maybe that'll just kind of come up in conversation. But who are those big influences for you along your way? My mom, I mean, I lost her about 15 years ago, but she was a barber, not a beautician, an actual barber. Um, Her grandfather was the, we had a small town in Hillsborough, North Carolina. He was a barber and he passed down his chair and the big long razor sharpener thing or whatever. But she was the only female barber in our hometown. So I saw what women in a non, you know, traditional woman role early my entire life. Like, I didn't know that there was a ceiling that I could only go to and that's it. Crushed it. And not only was she a barber, she was like an, an artist as well. So she was that person doing unique styles in the hair, like a portrait of somebody or on the back of their head or the biggest thing wow. was football and basketball before games would go to her to get their number, you know, shade in their head or cut in their head or um, like a rose or just different designs. And we had people coming to her barbershop from all over, you know, wow. various Duke basketball, Carolina basketball, like Wake Forest, you know, just all over. So she was a huge influence and women can do anything they're talented enough to do it. You know, they got the right support. They got the vision. What's supposed to stop them? No one, unless it's themselves. So that's probably the biggest influencer I had on me being a female um, in a male-dominant field. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's huge. Yeah, it like, is. Like, that's really, really cool. That, that example, once again, right? Like, be the example, not only for yep. student athletes, but female strength coaches, female anything. Is really. she anything? Yeah. Right? Like, your mom exactly. did it as a barber, and why can't it be the same in any other industry in the entire world? Um, I think my son was three when I introduced him to a colleague. I don't know who it was. And I was like, he's a strength coach at, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he looked at me and he goes, well, mommy, he's a boy. <laughs> I'm like, I know. What do you mean? He goes, he can't be a strength coach. He's a boy. He's thinking strength coaches can only be females because his mom's yep. a strength coach. He knew what the profession was. He knew what it meant. And as soon as I introduced him, he said, he's a boy, though. I'm like, I know. We let them sometimes be him as well. <laughs> that's awesome. So, yeah. See, that's cool. That's the reverse. Yeah. I mean, it's really, honestly, right? That's the reverse. Um, he did not realize that you could be a boy and a strength coach. <laughs> yeah. 
Now, did you have any female strength coach impacts throughout your time coming up in the field, or was it all men that were kind of leading the charge? Men. I was a unicorn. Mm-hmm. I got started in 93, I think. And I didn't even hear about Meg Richie mm-hmm. until I was at um, Southern University when there was the big controversy of them hiring me and the petition that got started and all the hoopla and them not wanting me to, you know, to be the strength coach there. Uh, I think my husband kind of did some research and pulled it up and he was just like, cause it got me down at times. It was, it was hard. I was like, I don't know if I can do this. And he was like, mm-hmm. you'll be okay. And he showed me articles of her and I'm like, okay, she's a badass. Wait, it's pretty <laughs> cool. Um, and he was like, yeah, you know, she, she was one of the first, so if she could do it. You could do it. And I was like, all right, I could do it. And then actually meeting her when yeah. she was inducted into the legends of the field at CSCCA, um, national conference one year. And I introduced myself to her and she was like, Oh yeah, I know who you are. I'm so proud of you. Like I've, oh. you know, heard all about you, read about you. And I'm like, wait, you know about me? Like, oh my God, this is awesome. But there was no one. There was no one to bounce ideas off. There was no one to help explain how to navigate a locker room. And, you know, these duties that I've got this football coach and this director of strength and conditioning is trusting me with and not holding me back, but how do I do it without being offensive to other like now I could write a book and then anytime anybody called me and like, hey, you know, I got this scenario. So, okay, let me tell you how you do this. Like, cause there's not a scenario I haven't been, you know, thrown with. So yeah. I didn't. There was no one else to look like me. Now I did have while we were at Carolina, one of my former teammates, Linda Lipson, um, who's now Linda Blue Trick, she was a sister strength coach as well, as well, but she's always wanted to be like a thrower coach and on mm-hmm. the track and field side of it and kind of being able to do both. But she was a white girl, you know, um, a year younger, but there was no one yeah. that looked like me. So I didn't have yeah. anybody to help me through this. Wow. That's pretty wild. So before we uncover some more of all of that fun stuff, I think for the listeners, and maybe hopefully people caught this, but the importance of your support system, because how cool for your husband to look stuff up and be like, no, you can do this. Like, yes. You can absolutely get through this. It's a tough time. Yes. Yeah. But you got this and we're going to get through it and you're going to be the most amazing strength coach ever. Like that is so cool that you, I mean, you have to have people like that, right? Cause there are going to be times where you go through moments of, ah, I don't, I don't want to do all this. Like this is a pain in the freaking rear end. I call them my, I have a board of directors. I have my own BOD, my own board of directors. It's, it's my own group of, you know, individuals that I go to when I need a pep talk, but I can easily give them a scenario like, okay, so this happened and I said, and can you believe that? And they're honest enough to say, you're wrong. You know, you need to go back and you need to apologize or you need to, you know, or this person, you know, contacted me about this job. I don't think it's good. And they're like, okay, let's talk it through. So that support system is huge. I've built it over the years, you know, but in the beginning, it was just my family, my mom, my dad, and my siblings, you know, and then years later, here comes my husband. And, Mm -hmm. 
Then I end up with more women that have, you know, gotten into the profession that we kind of got our little group, your Jen Jones, your Rachel, your, you know, your Kathy's and uh, um, Stacy's, you know, we all kind of call each other, text, bump ideas off each other. But that that came later. That came later along. But having that support system is huge because there's been times I doubt that I could do this, you know, Um, especially when it's in certain jobs and position. I mean, when you have even former players that you can call, I had a, a former coach reach out to me about applying for the head strength and conditioning job at this NFL team that he was at. I had worked with him at the collegiate setting and now he's in the NFL and he reaches out, hey, our head guy just left. We need your application right now. We need your resume. And I'm like, wait, what? I can't do this. And he's like, yes, you can. And of course, my husband's still pushing. He's like, you know, <laughs> call Dequil Jackson and see what he has to say and, and, and call Tori Smith. See what he has. And they all were like, oh yeah, we were going to recommend you for that anyway. Or, you know, just having that support system it's huge. Everybody needs to have their own BOD, but I recommend any women in this profession definitely have a board of directors, that group they can go to that's going to be honest with you, but support you and encourage you and push you and get you out of your comfort zone and make you better each day. Yeah. That's phenomenal. BOD. That's going on the freaking <laughs> announcement for the episode. And no one will know what it is until they listen. So that's the best part about all Eat of that. Get your own BOD. Get your own BOD. Now I'm going to go home and write down my BOD. All right. Who's there in you it? Go. One, two, three, four, five. Um, check in with them. Yep. Yeah. Have them check in on you. Yeah. No, that's fantastic. Okay. So can you give us like a 30 second synopsis of you started at UNC, obviously, track athlete and then strength and conditioning and kind of like, where'd you go from there? How did you end up at Bethune-Cookman now? I was um, teaching aerobics at Spa Health Club. That's where I started my into the athletic world or into fitness. Jeff Mad Dog Madden was looking for someone to teach aerobics to the football team. A couple of guys had been doing summer jobs at the health club and knew about my class. If you weren't in that class at 415 for a five o'clock class, you didn't have a spot. So they were like, it seems fun. She'd be moving. They'd be sweating. So he checked me out, hired me to teach the football team aerobics for five weeks um, in the off season, it was all fat guys. It was the linemen, there <laughs> some linebackers. He locked me in a room with them, cranked the heat up, and like have at it. And I held my own like twice a week. Like it was awesome. They lost weight. They were quicker. They were more agile. It was perfect. Their feet were faster. And so at the end, he was like, you know, what? You're good at this. What would you like to? Is this what you want to do? I'm like, no, I want to do what you do. But women don't do that. Like, I've never seen any women in a weight room. He goes, hey, I got a position available and hired me. Like, I proved myself by how he saw me interact with this team and hold my own and was not intimidated and commanded the room. Um, He hired me as a strength and conditioning coach and spent three seasons with them. When him and Mac Brown went to Texas, I went the other way. I went to the University of Maryland. Ended up spending 15 years there with Dwight Galps. Worked with 20-something different sports while there. Um, He left and went to, was it Tennessee? Yeah, originally. They go, Vanderbilt. I don't remember where they went. That was so long ago. But my (laughs) husband, I said, let's start following you a little bit. And he has his PhD 
that he never used because he wanted to support me because he knew it would be harder for me to do what I want to do and am good at. So he said, we're going to stay here for you. But I said, let's follow you for a minute. Went to LSU. I was going to be a stay-at-home mom. <laughs> that lasted two weeks. <laughs> I'm timing my poor child running around the kitchen. Ready? Go! Oh, you got to get your knees up. And he was like, okay, we got to get you out of the house. So he went to an HBCU and he was like, you need to reach out to Southern University. I think that they could really benefit for somebody of your caliber. Like HBCUs don't get high quality, you know, strength coaches like that. And I'm like, oh, you just saying that. Let me call them. Well, I sent an email and I'm like, hey, I'm in the area, master strength coach. If you got anybody that's looking to sit for the CSCTA exam, I can, you know, mentor them, blah, blah, blah. 43 minutes later, phone call. And it was the director of athletics saying, we actually don't have a strength coach. You know, theirs had, they have, they were without one for three months. And so she's like, can you come in for it? Like an interview tomorrow? I'm like, wait a minute. Like I just sent this email just, you know, an hour ago. Okay. Okay. Let me think about it. I don't even have a daycare. I have this three-year-old with me and they were like, bring them. I'm like, okay. And setting across from uh, the head football coach at that time, I didn't know what he was thinking, you know. And he was like, when can you start? And I ended up there um, for four seasons, three seasons, that football team to a championship, even with that, all the haters. Um, Left there and came to Cookman because it was an opportunity to work at the same university with my husband. He ended up being... Mm -hmm. Director of academic assistant AD, director of academic support, and made director of strength and conditioning. So it's a great wow. opportunity to work together, and that's twenty-seven years summed up in <laughs> a minute, two minutes. Yeah, no, that's that is perfect. Uh, perfect. So along this this journey, right? So you've been all these places, and you've kind of alluded to one or two obstacles. But can you talk about some of the obstacles that you've? Uh, faced and whether it's being a woman or whether it's just being a strength coach and then how in the world would you tell people to to attack it if it's them going to experience or currently experiencing that situation a couple obstacles just being a female majority Mm -hmm. of them are just being a female i think you know the doubters in the beginning when they first meet you um you know like moving forward today we had Four new players that have signed that were coming through the weight room. Their position coach was kind of showing them around. And it was, oh, here's our strength and conditioning coach, you know, Coach Fingers. It was like, you know, hey, nice to meet you, Coach. Like, I'm excited. Rewind. Many, many, many. It took a long time to get to there. Yeah. Rewind many, many, many years ago. And it was, you know, the side eye not shaking my hand, the raised eyebrow, the kind of like, eh. and it was like there was some recruits right off the beginning, recruits, fathers not wanting to bring their sons to a university that had a female responsible for, because, you know, every father thinks their son could play in the NFL. Okay. Mm-hmm. So how am I going to help them get there if I've never been there myself? But I think one of the biggest obstacles is that first director job. And it wasn't just one or two. It was like the whole university 
the whole city of Baton Rouge. And it felt like the whole state of Louisiana was against me just because I was a female. They could not, nobody bothered to Google me. After a while, that's what I started saying. And it was like, well, you ain't, I said, you know what? I'm not about strange words. You just Google me. Make sure you put two S's on the first name and walk away. <laughs> walk away. Like one player was going, I'm just going to be honest with you. I ain't never had no female in Waverly. And I just don't see it. Now. And I just respond to Google me, bitch, and walk away. And that's all I said. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. But it was so hard. It was this. And I mean, this is before I even got started. You know, the, the head coach was so excited to have somebody like me being a part of his program that he's he's announcing it with excitement and all we got was backlash and I hadn't even signed a contract to even start working there yet wow. so what helped get through that was having that support system that was that head football coach and even before his time because when the AD called me and said can you come in tomorrow to just like meet with us for an interview I had met with her and a couple of other members and she goes, we got to get you with our head football coach. And she goes, okay, hold on. And she had taken my resume in there and I went in and talked to him. He had me sitting outside of his office for like 17 minutes. And I'm like, this is crazy. And my little son is like, I need a snack. I'm, I'm, I'm sleepy. I'm like, this is crazy. Why is this mess? You know what? I don't need this job. I came here for my husband's job. I don't need. So we go in his office and we're sitting there and it was like something straight out of the Godfather. We're just like staring at each other. Ain't nobody saying that. I'm just staring at him. He's staring at me. And finally, enough of this. I'm like, look, do you have any questions for me? And he says, yes. When can you start? That's how we started a conversation. And I'm like, wait, what? Come to find out his head coach that he played for was the football coach that I just finished working with for 11 years or oh my 10 years, however many. So I didn't even have to do anything. He called his his head coach, that the one he trusts, the one that, you know, he's gone to his mentor and said, I got this female sitting outside my office, her resume. She said she was at the University of Maryland with you. Tell me about her. And this man said, if you want to win, you will hire her. That was it. Wow. And so he's like, okay. And he's like, do we got enough money? Like, He's in his office trying to figure out how to be cool, but the excitement was already there all because of how my work spoke for itself with Coach Friedgen. And Mm -hmm. this just happened to be an apple from his tree. And of course, you're going to trust your mentor. And all he said was, if you want to win, you will hire her. Didn't go, oh, well, she's good at this. No, if you want to win, you will hire her. So I had the support of the football coach I had been working with for many, many years. And now Mm -hmm. the support of this head football coach who still stays in contact back. By the way, that's the coach that's in the NFL that tried to get me (laughs) to come there. And I tell him he he's been up for a few head jobs and his portfolio has who he would hire a different position. And he has my name on his portfolio. And I keep telling him, coach, you might get the head job if you take my name off your he goes, then it's a job that I don't want. And so that support has kept me going through all the obstacles because where there's always so many, you know, well, it's gotten better, but I still get them where there's times where I got guys or, you know, females or coaches or administration or whoever going, "Mm, I don't know. I have enough handful of those that support me 
big names that will help me if needed. So yeah. anybody who's going through this, your work speaks for itself. You got that group that knows what you're capable of, that's given you the, that opportunity, that shot to show what your worth is or how you can get this done. Lean on them. Don't be afraid to ask them to call folks. Don't be afraid to say, hey, I need you to write a letter of recommendation. I need you to give your friend a shout out. They do it. The Homeboy Network does it all the time. They call each other and help each other out. Why can't we do the same? Why can't we ask them to do it for us? So the support has helped me through the obstacles. Yeah. So for all of our listeners, and this is probably the second time that you've mentioned this, but you got to prove yourself with your work. Let your actions speak louder than your mouth, right? Because at the end of the day, people are going to see those things. And then I I didn't play football, so I can't go, you know, word to word with you on. But I said, just give me 10 minutes and let me show you. And by the end of 10 minutes, it's like, okay, she knows what she's talking about. All right, let's go. (laughs) She's good. Let's go. (laughs) And then on top of that, it's about who knows you, right? Because think about that. You walked into that Mm -hmm. office. It wasn't about who you knew, you knew and that you could have call. It was about who he knew that knew you. Yes. And my work. Um, Yep. And, and it follows you. Yeah. yeah. And you, yeah. I don't, I make jokes, but it's not really a joke. I don't get the opportunity to screw up. You know, you have others. My male counterpart can headbutt people and rip the shirt off during games and, you know, have long mustaches and goatees. And I don't get the opportunity to do that. My work has to be quality work. It has to be something that's safe. That's, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to give you results that I'm a people person that I can really get you to buy in. My work has to speak for itself. And honestly, that goes a long way more so than gimmicks. So mm-hmm. there, there's people who may not always be watching and, and but they're, you may not see them watching you, but they're watching and they're listening and they know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who's next door neighbor's um, son's cousin's friend was a student athlete of yours. Yeah. And that's normally the path it takes, as crazy yeah. as that sounds when you say it, it but it is, yeah. in all honesty, that's how it goes. It is. Oh, man. Okay, we're going to switch gears just a tiny bit here because, A, your story has been phenomenal. And is there anything that I've missed? Like, no. is there something you're like, Coach, listen, I really got to talk about this. The, pe- the people need to hear this. Or did we cover all our bases there? I think we covered it all. Okay, perfect. <laughs> Could you give the listeners a book that has positively shaped you? It could be audible or it could be something physical that you've had in your hands. Uh, the Bible. That's probably the only yes. book. <laughs> Love it. But it is like the book that is shaped and made and, you know, that it, there's it's something it all. that you can, yeah, it started it all. There's, you're mad about something, you find something, and you're happy about something, that's a good book to go to, you know? Yep. Things going great, great book to read. Things <laughs> going bad, great book to read. It's like... <laughs> It'll give it all to you, right? The good, the bad, the ugly, whatever you need for the day, it is right there. You can find it everywhere, too. <laughs> you, don't got to, you got to download it. It's on CDs. You can borrow it from somebody. You take it from a hotel. Like, there's plenty of them everywhere. It's the best book out there. <laughs> Take it from a hotel. Oh, man. You might get in trouble for stealing, though, so be careful. Okay, it's right, it's a right. book that's available. <laughs> you know, everybody can get a copy of it. Can I borrow yours? I'll give back. You know? I think I have a couple. So anyone listening, if you need one, like, I got you. I'll send it to you. Don't worry about it. Exactly. Um, I think that's Yep. 
Can you share something interesting about yourself that most people listening wouldn't know about you? I am an amazing cook. I am an, I mean, like, not just amazing, but a competitive cook. Like, if you tell me that you think your macaroni and cheese is better than mine at 10.30 p.m., and I got to be in the weight room at 4.30 next morning, there's going to be a pan of macaroni and cheese coming through the door with me. Because I I refuse to believe that you can outcook me. And a lot of people don't realize that a lot of my athletes are beginning to see that and the coaching staff, you know, yeah. um, various sports. We share recipes, share ideas. You know, one of the reasons my son does have some some food allergies. So I cook everything. You know, yeah. my my Alfredo sauce is probably better than Olive Garden's. And he has mm. said that. Like, there's nothing that I will not try. I made banana forest um, Foster homemade ice cream two weekends ago. Coach, Those I need to come hang out yeah. with you. Yeah, exactly. I need to come hang out with you. Homemade ice cream and banana. So I had to make that first and then get it to chill and then mix it in with my their steps. I am an amazing cook. And right, I like well, I like trying different, unique, you know, not traditional that you would cook in the middle of the week type dishes. Right. <laughs> Something that you save for a holiday or a weekend or a big family gathering. No, it's just three of us too. I swear that's how I got my husband. <laughs> it's cooking, trying different things. Yeah. Yeah. So I think folks will realize that I am I'm just as passionate about my my cooking than I am about in the weight room. Love that. Well, I'm going to have you share also that, and I didn't know this about you coming into this conversation. I can look up everything on your bio and all the fun stuff on Google, right? Like I can be those kids. I can Google Coach Fingers. But <laughs> you also, you ride your motorcycle, which you alluded to with your dad, and that was the introduction. So prior to our conversation today, you were zipping around in, in traffic, right, on your motorcycle. So yeah, can you can you talk here. about what you and I talked about with the motorcycle uh, before we jumped on, just kind of uh, what you enjoy about yes. that? That is my me time. I have a 2009 Honda Shadow 750. Her name is Black Betty. Oh, Black Betty. Bam, a lamb. She is um, black with a little bit of maroon trim. Mm. And that is my piece. We don't take enough time for ourselves. We pour into so many student athletes. We pour into administration. We pour into our families. We pour into our friends. And I find that we don't pour into ourselves enough. We have such a nurturing nature about us. And and I know for me, I'm really guilty of it, is help someone before I help myself and protect someone and give them everything they need and ignore my own needs. So I found that um, riding my motorcycle kind of allows me to shut off everything. If you've ever ridden before or if you're someone who rides, you must be on the defense at all times. You don't have the opportunity to, again, make mistakes. You have to watch the vehicle in front of you, to your right, to your left, you know, behind you. Is everybody breaking like they're supposed to? Is there anybody on their phone eating? spanking some kid in the back like what are they doing that they might swerve over into your lane like you gotta be on on high alert to 
shut off my brain. Like I can't ride my motorcycle and go through my grocery list. Or did I call, you know, so-and-so who has class at nine during the makeup run to let them, there's no time for that. It's focus on what's around you. You get to smell things that you don't smell in a car, like roadkill, like I had this morning, but, you know, fresh asphalt, you smell, oh gosh, when the, the flowers are first blooming. And if I ride down A1A, which is all beachside, that salt air, salty beach mm. air just smacking your face. Um, it Today is very hot. It's extremely hot, but I took one of the back roads, uh, Old Dixie Highway, and it's a canopy of trees. So you get a different burst of cold air against you, which is really unique because it's so hot outside, but those trees, and then there's lakes on both sides of, you know, old Dixie that you get a refreshing breeze that you don't get riding in a car. So it's a peaceful me time moment. There'll be times that, you know, it might be seven o'clock, eight o'clock at night. And I'll tell my husband, I'm just going to go for a quick 20 minute ride. And he say, okay. And he knows that means, okay, I just need to like, let it all roll off of me sucking some good night air, some good fresh air, um, and just have some me time. That's what yeah. Black Betty does. She kind of simmers me down and let me know that I matter. And um, sometimes it's just look out for you so that you can look out for someone else. Yeah. Well, shout out to Black Betty for uh, giving you your, your space <laughs> and your time to just just get out and, you know, be at peace. Um yeah. Shout out is. to Black Betty. This is going to lead me right into the next question, which I think is perfect. If you had a call to action for everyone listening to this episode today, something they can do after hearing our conversation to make this profession better, what would you tell them to go and do? Hire more women. Hire more black women. Hire more black people, period. And how you do that is you need to start mentoring. Take that student athlete that's in their senior year, you know, their junior year, that's really good in the weight room. You see them thriving, you know, they may be a PE major. Shoot, I had an intern who's now in the NFL as a strength coach who was a history major, but he was an athlete. And that senior year, he, you know, he played a little bit special teams, not a starter, like a few times, but not it was walk on, not majorly, you know, a major impact on the team, but really shined in the weight room. Really loved being in there. Had a great way to say, hey, buddy, you know, chest up. Let's get your chest up a little bit more. That's it. That's it. You know, you can see little things and you're like, hey, this spring, won't you do a little internship? You know, there are women that don't realize how much of an impact they can have on this career because no one has poured into them. No one has said, mm-hmm. hey, you have the best deadlift out of any male or female I have seen. <clears throat> so I challenge you to come in here some extra days or I challenge you to be like a student shadow or a student intern and come work, come work with me a little bit with the hockey team. Come work with me a little bit with, you know, another sport. Get them comfortable in the weight room. If that's something they're interested in, try to help them out. Show them the ropes. Let them turn into GAs, turn into assistant, and then help them. That's the only way we're going to have more representation in the profession of the athletes. You have a certain number of strength coach, well, a certain number of female athletes 
and a small percent, 14% of female strength coaches. They're not really seeing themselves when they come in, you know? So we need to push the envelope to start getting more women in the profession. And it starts with showing those athletes, you know, that are really good. They're really good. It's okay to be good. It's okay to be strong. It's okay to be, you know, the best one, male or female in the weight room. I used to love mixing it up. Have some of the throwers come over, work out with football. Heck yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I and it was more to show the guys, hey, come on, give her some she's doing three fifteen. You doing three fifteen. Like <laughs> and they're like, All right, all right. How many reps you got? I got three. Okay, I'm gonna do four because you're doing three. Well, I'm gonna do four. Okay, well let's just go do four then. And it really started encouraging the women to embrace their strength physically emotionally, mentally, just powerful and strong. And now what do you want to do? I actually want to go into athletic training. Okay. Or I want to go into physical therapy. All right. It's okay to have women in, you know, sports, but it starts with more men encouraging, supporting and pouring into and helping develop women, other women seeking other women. Hey, Mm -hmm. you know, we're not all fighting for the same position. We're here to encourage each other and help each other. At least that's what I try to do. So I think to move this profession forward, we got to have more that don't look like the traditional norm. It needs to look different 20 years from now than it did 20 years ago. Amen. Well, you all heard it here first. I'm not repeating all that (laughs) because Coach Finger said it all. So get out there. Lead these young women, even yeah. men, right? Black men, yeah, like yeah, let's absolutely. get them, let's yep, get them into yep, the profession yep, yep. and get those, I think get we those need kids to get coached more, up on, on how to be amazing strength coaches or whatever they want to do. You know, it will help these... them be a little bit more passionate. You know, you got that big early guy working with football. Okay, now you need to go work with the tennis team. That's all foreign. That's yeah. really good and had a potential of being great. But they're scared of the weights. They've never had it before in their career. They're, they've been told that it's going to make their arm bigger and bulkier. Now they need to see, they need to find a different side, a different coaching voice, a different teaching tool. You know, so you're right. It's not just, yeah. you know, pull along those men and women, but we need to change the way the profession looks right now. Yeah. You know, it's all one-sided. We need to We need to even it out a little bit, even the playing field. Um, and we need to give those that those diamonds out there an opportunity to shine. Mm-hmm. Let them shine. Let them shine. Okay, let's do shine. some fun questions here. Um, if you were okay. not a strength and conditioning coach, what would you want to be doing with your life? A photographer. Ooh, coach, I like that answer. Um, if you and the fam were going to sit down and watch a TV show, or maybe you and your husband, what would you guys want to watch? Mandalorian. Do you have a hobby outside of strength and conditioning? Cooking. Um, Cooking. Yeah, but I, you kind of gave that answer. Here. Yeah. But I've actually yeah. can do needlework. Can you and really? I've done, yeah. Look at you. Yeah, I haven't got Can't the crocheting wonder. down really well, but um, cross-stitch the needlework, I have a few yeah. things around. That's another patient type. Sit down and get the little grid right poke it through started with my grandma yep. and she taught me I'm like she's like if you're gonna be sitting in here you're gonna learn to watch Young and the Restless and you're gonna pick up a needle I'm like yes ma'am so. okay I'll do it I'll do it if you tell me I have to I'll do it <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. oh man okay one more if you could have one superpower 
what would it be? Me and my son do this all the time. He does it all the time. He said, okay, I think I, I probably will be on a flight because I hate sitting in a car. We sat in traffic for so long coming back from Georgia yesterday and I just wanted to click my heels and just be there. But if I could fly again, impatient at times. So <laughs> you'd be living the dream if you could fly. You wouldn't even if have I to wait. Fly, yes, yeah. I don't want to wait. I just and I take others with me. I'm not just flying for myself. I'll take you with me. Carry Where you them. Go? Yeah, Let's go. Right. I'll get you there. That's perfect. <laughs> Well, listen, this has been amazing. I have absolutely loved having you on and hearing your story and all of your awesome experiences. And I hope that people listening will have the audacity to reach out to you and ask more questions, hear more about your stories uh, and in-depth you know, conversations that maybe they need to have. But I hope the entire crew listening took away to be the example, to be patient and understand that everyone learns differently. Uh, the importance of your support system, BOD. We're going to put the acronym in there because that's very important for people to remember. Uh, prove yourself through your work. And then, you know, it's about who knows you and let that, that work talk for itself. Uh, and great things are going to happen for you. So where can the listeners go to find out more about you or to contact you with any questions? They can reach me <clears throat> at... Fingers C at cookman.edu. Um, follow me on Twitter, Corliss Fingers. Um, go to our website. You know, they send a smoke pigeon, a, a smoke signal, a pigeon, like all the above. <laughs> I have no problem reaching out. You know, just like um, that book I told you about, that that good book. It does say you have not because you ask not. So if you don't reach out mm-hmm. and ask your questions, you're not going to answer. So I am not mm-hmm. standoffish at all. I welcome. And you reached out, and I'm like, sure. You know, right away, absolutely yeah. not a problem. You have questions, yeah. reach out to me. A lot of times I'm quick to return a phone call real easily. But I really have enjoyed this time and I appreciate you reaching out to me and asking me to be a part. This has been fun. Well, thank you so much. And I will put all that in the show notes so that people can reach out to you. If they were cool enough, they could be like me at the conference where I just got to scan your little QR code on your phone. And I got all your information right there, yes. but we're not in person. So I'm sorry to the folks I listening. So Coach Fingers taught me about technology. It was awesome. <laughs> so, well, there you go. People can reach out to you. How do you start their own little QR code? That could be an awesome question for people to ask you. But um, yes. thank you. Thank you so much again. I appreciate you taking the time out today to join You're me. Welcome. KC's Conversations is produced by me. Be sure to rate, review, and follow the podcast wherever you choose to listen. If you like this episode or the podcast in general, be sure to rate and review it. If you aren't a fan, don't worry about it. 